Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Loads to look back on, all four regional sides, professional sides, whatever you choose to call them, were in action this weekend and uh, that included a ding-dong derby at, uh, at the Liberty Stadium with tries aplenty there. The Dragons managed to uh, managed to lose to the only side statistically worse than them in the league or perhaps in the whole wide world. Uh, and Cardiff were in action out in Munster as well. Uh, we've also got a bit of transfer news and we're going to look ahead to the Wales tour to South Africa uh, with either excitement or doom, depending on how you're feeling. And helping me do all that, once again, it's Stefan Thomas. How are you, Steph? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yes, good. Thanks. Great to have you. Great to have you back. Becoming a, a, a bit of a regular fixture, which is uh, which is always good. And um, yeah, where do you where do you want to begin? Um, should we start? I suppose the, the the biggest of these games is probably the the derby. Um, so perhaps we'll uh, we'll start there. Um, as much as anything, I have to say I I, I have a bit of a downer on this league uh, a lot of the time, but I genuinely really enjoyed that one as a neutral. It was a really exciting game of rugby, and um, it helped that I think there's you know there was a bit on the line. Obviously, the Scarlets playoff um, uh, ambitions, but then also uh, you know also with it being a derby game as well. How uh, <laughs> how did you enjoy that one? Yeah, it was a cracking game of rugby, and I think it was a really good advent for professional rugby in Wales or, or regional rugby, whatever term you want to use. So we got we got a club representing the region against a regional rugby franchise. So um yeah, club or region. Pick the pick the bones out of that one. Yeah. But no, I th- I think in all seriousness it was it was a great game of rugby. Um I think I think we you know we've got to be honest. I, you know, I I don't think you know both sides weren't the strongest defensively, which probably helped the entertainment value. Um 
it was you know obviously it was a game of both of two halves. You know, I, th- I think I think the Scarlets, you know, Dwayne Peel said after the game, he he felt like the Scarlets were in control at half time. Um, they looked like they were about to. Um, I don't think the, the Ospreys were ever out of the game, but it looked like the Scarlets were close to sort of wriggling free from the Ospreys at one point. You know, they 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 created a lot behind the scrum all game. I mean, they they arguably should have been further ahead at half time, but. Again, you know, you, you look at the Scarlets, and I think that the second in the URC table in terms of tries scored behind Leinster, which is impressive, but let's be honest. But they're also second in the URC table in terms of tries conceded, and ultimately, it's you know, it's the old saying: defence wins championships, and mm. defensively, they're you know, they're, they're nowhere near it. And you know, this we, we've gone on in the past that the Scarlets have a soft underbelly. You know they got a lot of very talented players. They have a very potent attack, as as the try statistic shows. But whenever they're put under sustained pressure, they don't just leak a try or two. They implode, and it was the same yesterday. I was really impressed with the Ospreys because they they were they were as I said they were always in the game, but you felt like the Scarlets were in the ascendancy and probably were the likeliest winners at half time. But they spotted where the Scarlets were weak. They fixed their own shortcomings. And before the game, if you compared both packs, the Ospreys had a significantly stronger front five. Their scrum took the Scarlets to the cleaners, both the starting front row and the and the, uh, and the finishers. Um, you know, Arden Beard, I thought, was outstanding, really unsung hero. Arlen Wynn, you know, still finding his, his feet, still finding his way back to fitness, but... You know, that just just that that the unit, the front five unit, was was significantly stronger than than the Scarlets could could handle. Dewey Lake man a match, uh, but he was he was sensational, and they just they just you know put the Scarlets under pressure. They they attacked them where they were weak, and and the Scarlets imploded. And um, you know, I th- I think it, you know it was the right result in the end, and it was it was a very um, you know it was a really good advert for um, for professional rugby in Wales. Yeah, you t- I mean, you talk about the implosion. It all seemed to hinge for me around that that soft penalty that that Johnny Williams gave away. Who, you know, otherwise again, I thought he had another he had another good game prior to that point, and I'm you know I'm quite a big fan of his. But it just seemed a bit brainless when he'd been warned a couple of times by the referee uh, to to kind of to keep at it and then you know hoof the ball backwards. I thought that was only ever going to end end one way, and from there. Like you said, they, they leaped three tries straight away after that. How kind of pivotal do you think that moment was in the in the outcome of the game? Very pivotal. I, th- I think um, they always say, don't they, that either five minutes or ten minutes, either side of half time, a championship sort of winning moments. Not that I think the Ospreys are going to win the championship, but you, you oh, if, the, if the championship is the, is the Welsh Shield yeah, that we're okay. all that yeah, we're all now glued to, we come down there. It's silverware at the end of the day, but yeah. Um, Dwayne Peel said after the game, you know, they gave a couple of ridiculous penalties away, uh, and that, you know, I think he, he didn't actually mention the specific one, but I think that that's one he was alluding to. It was, it was, a, it was a bad error, um, and and they have been, you know, the architects of their own downfall in a lot of games this season. They they, they constantly sort of shoot themselves in the foot, and and the writing was on the wall against the Dragons and Rodney Parade in many ways. They, the scoreline suggests they won that game comfortably, but it was anything but. You know, they, you know, to, to be second on the try scoring list um, behind Leinster is, you know, that, that that's top end stuff. But you know, 
so we know what they can do ball in hand but def- defensively and and up front in the front five I mean they were knocked from pillar to post yesterday and they were for large periods at Rodney Parade as well but they, they faced a dragon side who you know just kept shooting themselves on the foot and kept making unforced errors and obviously didn't have the firepower they had so they, they were always going to get out of jail in that one I think um, but yesterday they, they just came up against a team with just so much quality and the Ospreys played really well going to scrum as well it was Gareth Anscombe's best game um, I think since since he's come back he had an armchair right but you've still got to you still got to um, create um, Scarlett's worked the Ospreys out in the in the first half but the Os- with, with a blitz defence but the Ospreys really um, you know really found a way around that and that was because of Anscombe I think Owen Watkin uh, had, a, had a great game he's, he's really improving Keelan Giles I thought was outstanding as was Combia for the Scarlets as well half trick of tries you know still loses he had a great game but and Costello played well as well but from a Scarlets perspective you know they, they, they brought in Hugh Hogan at the end of last season at the start of this season um, you know he, he's come from Leinster albeit he was contact skills coach never coached at professional level a defensive system so that was always a risk and um, so far it just, just hasn't worked and you know if they are serious about kicking on uh, and improving then you know they, they do really need to to sort that out and whether that means they're bringing another defence coach is, is down to them but unless they sort their defence out um, and I think Dwayne needs to be supported by experienced assistant coaches they haven't got one experienced coach let's face it the only guy of real experience and quality they've got is Nigel Ashley Jones, ahead of physical performance, who's been in rugby league, with, has been with Saris and and whatnot. But they 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 really need he needs. I think he needs a bit of support there. I think he's improved their attack. I think he's got potential to be a top coach. But as I said, you know they, they need to sort the defence out. Um, until they do that, then you know they're, they're not really going to be challengers. Yeah, I remember thinking at the start of the season that you know the, the defense was really you know was really leaky and porous then, and you thought, well, perhaps this is going to be a time you know to adjust to a new system and a new defense coach. But you're right; it hasn't seemed to it hasn't seemed to get any better as the season's gone on, and to find yourself you know right at the end of the season shipping fifty points. It's um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, perhaps a lot of soul searching over the summer while they figure out how to how to sort that out. I think I think as well. Um... You know, you, you, you've got to look. You know, they, they've they've got one of the probably one of the best second rows in the URC and Sam Lowson. Yeah. But he's and, and he played well yesterday. He caused havoc in the first <clears> half, but he's he's almost playing. Um, he's almost fighting a lone battle. You know, they, they got they got some really good young props. Um, obviously Elias is a good player, but they lost Jake Ball, right? Who's an integral part of that squad. Um, they knew he was going. Quite early in the season, you know he he's a blow for Wales as well, not just the Scarlets. Um, you know they also lost Tavita Atuva to breathe. Okay, he could be a bit of a liability, but he was a serious physical specimen, uh, international quality lock. Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, you know, it's my understanding that the second rows are, I think, they're the most the second most expensive, um, mm. uh, you know, position to to, to recruit. Um, so it's not easy, but they haven't, you know, they signed Tom Price, but, you know, they, they haven't really replaced, well, they haven't replaced Jake, they? I mean, Fafita's does a phenomenal signing, but I still think that they are, they really need to recruit at lock. The, the front five as a unit is, isn't good enough to challenge the, the best teams. 
there are areas of their squad which are very, very good, but there are areas of the squad which are very weak, and second row is one of those. Fafita and Lousy's top quality pairing, but they can't play every week, and they, and they mm. also lack that grafting lock. Not not that Lousy, for example, doesn't graft, but they need that physical, no. that forelock, as they the tight lock, as they say in South Africa. Yeah. And they haven't got that. The Ospreys have got that. Not just in Beard and Arlene Wynn. Reese Davis, I think, is a really good prospect, mm. really physical prospect, uh, and they just seem to breed them down there, but that, that's an area where Scarlets need to recruit if they're going to kick on. Yeah, I think it's kind of the the story of the Scarlets of kind of since since the since regional rugby kind of came in. Really, it's when they've had a front five that can compete. You know what they're capable of behind the scrum. You know, think back to when it all clicked under Pivak and before that when it all clicked um, under Gareth Jenkins and that run to the semi final. If they've got a front five who can compete. You know, you know, there's always going to be that that kind of exciting rugby behind the scrum, but um, it's difficult. It's very, very difficult if you if there is that. I think, as you refer to it, that that kind of soft underbelly. It just means it, it yeah, it just makes those those big physical encounters nigh on impossible to win. So, yeah, I mean, things you, I probably wouldn't expect that much more recruitment between between now and the summer, unless there's a little yeah you know, a gem you can find out there, which. You know the Scarlets have a history of unlocking in Ball and Beard, uh, sorry Ball and Burn, and those kind of players. Um, that's that's kind of I think what they're what they're going to need to do. Someone who's who's not on the radar of anyone else, but that's a, that's that's a hard thing to do in the in the course of a couple of months. Yeah, and uh, it takes a bit of luck as well, doesn't it? Really, it does. Yeah, uh, you know, Ty Burn <clears throat> was almost like last carb off the rank, wasn't he? And they just hit gold. <laughs> I can't really think of a. Better like money ball signing, that's a good term, isn't yeah. it? Um, you know, Jake Ball, I think they signed, I think he was like three month contract from the Western Force Academy and he turns into 50 cap international. But you know, they're few and far between. And if you want to sign, if you want, if you want a, a forward platform, you spend money and not obviously they have. I mean, they, they've, they've got mm. a very you know, they, they've got Fafita who you know, you would imagine would be on decent money and and, and he's he's sensational. But um, they need a bit more. But that, that's that's Welsh rugby at the moment. That the money mm. isn't there. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's not just the scarlet. No, when when you've got like footballers like they've got, you're always going to have your moments in the season. You, you can win big one-off games, but you can't like unless you've got a serious front five. You can't. You know, you, you just can't consistently win games. Um, they're a dangerous team, but they're not they're not really a formidable team. I think I think the Ospreys have probably got a better um, platform for success at the moment. You know, with with their pack, just in terms of the way they they set up, they're well coached with Toby Booth. But their problem is they can't get their best team on the park every week. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think I think the Ospreys. You know, you'd expect them to beat the Dragons next week, um, and then it's down to the last game against the Bulls, which um, you know would be interesting. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's take a look at um, at the Ospreys now. I've had this question in from Gary Mason, which says after the Ospreys went to South Africa, Toby Booth said that they have to change the way they play in order to compete. Um, after the last two weeks, is this what we should expect from them going forward? I, I think I think it probably is. Yeah, but it, as I said, I think the problem with the Ospreys is I do think they lack depth. When when mm. when every Welsh team's got their strongest team on the park. I think they're the best, um, you know, and, and I think in terms of the way they play, 
So if you look at the start of the season, so they, they've had some really impressive wins, actually. They've beaten Munster home, they've beaten Ulster home, they've beaten a very good Edinburgh team at home. Um, should have beaten Sale. They beat themselves that day, I think. But in all those games, they won those games through sheer bloody-mindedness because they've got a pack, because they can mm. they can win an arm wrestle against any side. But their attacking game wasn't quite there. Because, you know, for all Stephen Myler's qualities, he's a, he's a very experienced player, he's a great goal kicker, he's a great tactician, but he's never, even in his prime, his younger days, he's never been an attacking yeah, team. running team, let's, yeah. let's face it. He, I'm, not, I'm not saying that to have a dig at him. He is what he is, isn't he? Um, and they know that, you know, Josh Thomas has some potential, but the, the key to the Ospreys in in developing the game and playing the way they are is Anscom. Um, Toby Bull, the spot on, you know, when Anscom was fit again, people were, you know, all, all us journalists, you know, we have to ask the question, obviously, we were asking about Wales and, you know, do you think he should be back in a Wales squad? And Toby Bull is, you know, rightly telling us, hang on a minute now, lads, you know, he, he's come back from us an injury which, probably should have ended his career. So less, you know, it's a phenomenal achievement just to play again. So it was always going to take time and you know he struggled in a lot of games and you know you've seen the old glimpse but on the whole he struggled. But yesterday or on Saturday then, you know, yes he had an armchair right, but that was like the Anscombe of old. His kicking mm. was phenomenal. You know, his, his he's just so much peripheral vision. He controls the game. And when when he's at his best, it just gives the Ospreys just the, poss- the, po- the possibilities are wider, greater. I think Keelan Giles as well, having him back at full a full tilt, a guy, a guy with that pace, it's just frightening pace, you know, is a big difference. I think Owen Watkin, Pivak was right, you know, he did, he wasn't good enough in attack, but he's improved, um, you know, and, and obviously George North coming back now as well. So I, I think they are developing quite nicely, but I think what's going to stop them, like, kicking on next year? Is the same thing, isn't it? The lack of depth when their internationals are away. When they get the strongest team in the park, they should be in the URC top five playoffs, competing to win. But you know, they haven't got the depth. The Leinster got the South teams have got Munster got, and that's 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 what it is really. And unfortunately, that's out of Toby Bull's hands. But I think he is um, he is doing a good job as uh, as head coach. Yeah, no, I think I'd probably agree with all of that. I think the um, the back row is the one because, like you, you know, mentioned about about second rows. I think they've got you know they've got some really some really good second rows down there as well. You know, which which gives them a bit more depth there. It's the back row, like you say, when the internationals away and you lose, you're likely to lose Jack Morgan. Obviously, Tipperick's been injured all season, but if he's if he's away with the national squad as well, there are some, yeah some really good youngsters in there. Um, I think particularly Harry Deves has got a bright future ahead of him. Um, but it does seem a little bit makeshift, you know, with players like Will Griffiths and uh, Morgan Morris having to kind of slot in and do yeah. different roles. Obviously, Morris tends to do that eight role, but sometimes he's appeared at seven. Griffiths has done kind of four, five, six, occasionally eight as well. So I, I think it's it's that area, you know. But like like you say, that's depth is a very very difficult thing, especially when you you know you've had Lydia and Tipperick out for for a year now. If, if, if I was picking Osprey's player this season, it would be a it would be toss of a coin probably between. Griffiths and Morris, and maybe Reese mm. Webb will come into it because these guys are there week in, week out. Like, yeah, Morris isn't doesn't have flashy about him, but his work rate is phenomenal. You know, he's he's so physical; he just gets through so much work. He's good at the breakdown. He carries hard. He's technically good. Um, Griffiths, very good liner forward. You know, 
again, you know, puts puts in a huge shift in defence every single game. You know, they, they they consistently keep standards high. You know, maybe, you know, are they international class? I'm not. I don't know. But I think for the Ospreys, I think they they've just been stalwarts really of this season. And and moving on, you, moving forward, you think that they they're going to be really important for them. So um, yeah, you know, they 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 obviously have their star international players, but these guys are the ones that. Help them beat Munster and Ulster mm. and whatnot. So, um, yeah, I, I think those are two unsung heroes of their um, of their pack, and Nicky Smith as well, who should be in the Wales squad. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I, I just find it quite baffling at the moment. I think, to be honest, if I was picking that side, which to you know that that Wales side, which I think is a a great relief for everyone else that I'm not. Um, I think Nicky Smith would be literally the first name on the team sheet. Um, I don't. I don't get it. I just think that you know he gives you he gives you a good option over the ball. His scrummaging is sound, and uh, you know he carries hard and gets through a load of work. Uh, I don't quite get. You know, obviously Win Jones is a is a player I really admire, but he's had his fitness troubles and, and form troubles this year. Uh, Gareth Thomas is, is solid. Um, Reese Carey has a huge amount of potential, but still, we know kind of that um, while his scrummaging gets better, that's the area that's going to hold him back internationally. I just think right now, Nicky Smith is is definitely the the right option. So I've I found it really really bizarre that he's that he's not featured for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the Ospreys have had one of the best scrums in the URC this season. I actually really like Gareth Thomas. I think with Win Jones mm. out, uh, I would expect him to start against the box. But I would have had Nicky Smith, and well, maybe he will. But I personally have Nicky Smith on the bench. Good scrummager, um, really good over the ball, good carrier. Maybe you know he's not the biggest that could count against him at international level. But you can't honestly tell me that he. You know, you look at some of the players that are in the squad ahead of him. It's nonsense, mm. isn't it? You know, when you look, you look at regional rugby this season, look at the form he's in. He's better than a lot of the players that have been picked by Wales this season. He's been in better form than Wynne Jones. Definitely been in better form than Rhys Carey. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty, you know, it's gone under the radar a bit, really. But he's been one of the form players in the country. He's quite quite an experienced international player as well, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's got lots of experience. You know, just, just a, a baffling one, really. And, you know... South Africa obviously is a totally different level, but he should he should be. Is is he in the top three best Welsh loose sets? Yes, absolutely. Especially with Win Jones injured, so yeah, I would be baffled really if he wasn't um, wasn't selected to tour. But my gut feeling tells me he won't go. Yeah, I, I have the same uh, the same feeling as you. Uh, we've had a couple of um, mentions, and, and you mentioned the, the man of the match, Dowie Lake, as well. Uh, I had this question in from Leon Rees, who says, is Dowie Lake Wales' starting hooker now after his performances uh, in the Six Nations and now for the Ospreys? What do you reckon to that one, Steph? I, th- I, think, um, if, I think if I was picking the team, luckily I'm not, but if I was picking the team to face the Springboks, I'd start him. But I do think, you know, I, I just love the the Ed Jones term, you know, finishers. Um, mm-hmm. You do wonder, like, would is he gonna is he gonna make a better impact off the bench than starting? Um, that, that's that's debatable. But I think Ryan Elias and um, uh, Dewey Lake, I think they've, you know, the, neither are probably going to play eighty minutes. They're both going to play their part in in the tour and beyond. I think those two are clear for uh, 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 first choice hookers now. Um, I think Elliot D has been injured. And he's fallen. He's fallen behind. 
Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think Dewey Lake. I think if I was picking, I would, I would start him because I think you know if you look at South Africa, he look like yes, it's pretty physical, but Lake is just so dynamic on top of it, and he's one of the only players I think that can go toe to toe and match the Springboks. Mm-hmm. But you look at their two hookers, you have got Umbanambi and you got Marks. They're just absolutely yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Physical freaks, and they offer so much. Um, you know, over the ball is so dynamic and. Lake reminds me a bit of Malcolm Marks as well because he started off as a back rower. He, he just gives him a different dimension to his game. And in the past, you know, his throwing in was just not good enough. But mm. the Ospreys have really invested. They've invested in a coach to help his throwing in. And it was it was faultless yesterday. And it's been getting better and better all the time. And if you look at the game we lost against Italy, which was awful, but he was you know probably mm. one of maybe the only shine left out of that game. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think Elias and, and Lake are the, the top two by a country mile. But, yeah, I think if I was picking the team, Lake would uh, would be the starter. And I think he's got potential to be a world-class hooker, not just a good hooker. Yeah, I would I would definitely be picking him. And I think with that one eye over there um, on the long term as well, not that this is in any way a development tour. As we said the other week, you know, there's a serious danger of a hiding over there. But... Looking at him and where he is now in his in his career, and I think he's I, honestly, I think he's one of those young players coming through who's got the potential to grow and grow and grow and be a real, you know, a real great for um, you know, a real great quality international player. And um, it, it is just, I think the the way the game is now, you need front row forwards who can really put in a shift when it comes to carrying as well as as well as in the tight. And he is, like you say, that that kind of. Um, that experience that he's that he's got in um, in playing in the back row earlier on in his career, he's I don't know. I, I think I think there's there's real X factor with him, and um, I think he's going to grow and grow and, and become a um, yeah the, the long term answer at two without a doubt. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you know future British lion if he British and Irish lion if he stays fit and keeps improving. As I said, what was holding him back was throwing in. But yeah. you know, I asked him in the press conference during the Six Nations and. He, he actually hasn't been playing hooker for very long. It's only yeah. about like four years. And obviously when you add COVID into it as well, which is like 18 months out of his career, you know, he was a back rower and they converted him to hooker. That's a big change, that is. Technically, that's just, that's huge. And, you know, the fact that he's a, originally a back rower is going to help him because he just gives him such a point of difference over everyone else. You know, just, just his work over the ball in terms of jackling, just how dynamic he is in the in the loose, and you know, you watching him yesterday, and yes, Scarlett's haven't got a great pack, but he's just running into brick walls and making serious mm-hmm. meters, and always looking to offload. And you know, they, they say the best way maybe is to unlock defenses these days is the tip on passes, and he's really good at that as well. And he's just he's just got everything, isn't he? Um, as mm-hmm. long as he's throwing in, carries on improving, then I think you're looking at the test lion hooker. Are certainly one of the three hookers when when the Lions tour Australia in um, was in three years time. Yeah, I'm definitely going to use that as uh, as the quote for the show, uh, Steph. I'll be using that one on the on the tweet on the on Monday morning. Just to wrap up on uh, on this game and still looking ahead to uh, to South Africa, we had this question in from Jake, which says Combeer and Costello to tour this summer. What do you reckon? And actually, I would chuck into this. Um, uh, I would chuck into this Giles and Anscombe as well because I think we've got there, there were so many fascinating matchups on that game. Um, you know the kind of uh, 
both you know players on both sides putting in putting in some big shifts. Yeah. Let's yeah, I'd love to get your take on yeah on who are the kind of the touring outside halves and wingers. So I think if you look at the profile of fly half in Wales, <clears throat> so big girlish first choice. End of discussion. There's no no doubt there. There were question marks over Anscom. I think he purely because of his injury and whether he was ever going to be the same again. Um, but I think he he answered a lot yesterday, albeit after admit he had an armchair right, which he won't have in South Africa. But you would take him because he's just so much quality, so much experience. Um, but <sighs> Callum Sheedy, I don't think you know he's played fairly well for Wales, but I don't think he's been that good for Bristol this season. I think he's yeah. been very inconsistent. And I'm just worried that when when the box get on top, which is inevitable, you know, if Bigger goes down, if Anscombe goes down, I'm worried about, you know, whether whether he's quite there at the moment. You know, Jared Evans is a naturally wonderful, wonderfully gifted footballer. But, you know, Pivak has always questioned his game management. Uh, and, and I do understand where he's coming from. If I'm being honest, there are a lot of games where, you know, when he's on the front foot, he's, he's a you know he's a wonderful player, probably the most naturally gifted ten, you know, on a power patch or maybe that Wales have got. Um, but there are still big question marks over his game management in big games. But who I really really like, and I I think you know Anscombe overshadowed him yesterday because the Ospreys won. But I thought Costello, Sam Costello, was outstanding yesterday in both halves in many ways. Because in the first half, I mean, obviously he's, he's an attacking threat to begin with. You know, he obviously is great tackle by Keelan Giles to keep him out um, early on. You know, he's got a lot of vision. You know, he's putting people through holes, playing. He's playing like really close to the game line and putting people through holes. Two great touchline conversions. Um and even in the second half, you know, nothing he could have done. The packs against stuff. You know, he's very brave in defence, too brave in defence. What I like about Costello is what separates him, maybe, from Sheedy and Jared. Is and I'm not knocking these players; they're perfectly capable players who can play international rugby. But where Costello is better is that when things don't go his way, when when the tactics, when the overall game plan isn't going to plan. Excuse the pun. He has the ability to think on his feet and change it under intense pressure. You know, one of his former coaches, actually, at age grade, was telling me that when he first signed for Scarless, an ex, I won't name him, but an ex-international, was saying, now, when, when this kid's under pressure, he just like he's like damn bigger 10, 12 mm-hmm. years ago um, with a bit more of an attacking threat. He just, he, he, he's, very, he's very mentally tough, really mentally tough. Nothing phases him. You know he he's too you know they have to hold him back in defence. He's too he's too brave in defence, but he's really he's got a good balance, great kick game, can play really conservatively, conservatively. But he takes, um, he, you know he he brings his backs into the game as well. And I just think when you're playing out in South Africa, realistically you're probably not going to want to play him in South Africa because you want to start big and have Anscombe on the bench, and maybe even start Anscombe the other way round like they used to in Gatland, because mm-hmm. obviously the packs against stuff it's not going to help. Who's ten? Whoever's ten, but if one of those got injured, I would have more confidence in Costello, albeit he's never played international, than the other two, as in um, Evans and um, 
um, Sheedy Sheedy. at the moment. So I, I think that looking ahead to the World Cup, I think that Sam Costello could potentially be a better option than Sheedy and Jared Evans. So I would be looking to build Costello up as the, the third choice, somebody even who could be in the match day 23 for the World Cup. Um, whether the World Cup's too soon, maybe. But looking ahead to the, the World Cup after, I think he's got the potential to be big as long-term successor. So he, he'd be, if I was picking a squad, he'd be going. Interesting. Right. Seems like a perfect time to take a quick break. After that, we will be looking back at the Cardiff defeat away at Munster. And we'll be looking at yet another Dragons defeat, this time away at Zebra. Right. All that coming up. Um, but first, we're going to take this quick break. Into the second half now, Steph. Uh, as I said, Friday night, uh, the Cardiff side went over to Munster. It was another defeat for them. Um, but I would say an improved performance, but it's still, what's that, five defeats on the spin now for Cardiff? Uh, hard to know Hard to know whether they, whether you can kind of read too much into, into the positives there. What did, what did you make of that game? Well, they were obviously a lot better than, than they had been. Um... You know, Munster weren't at, at full strength, albeit, you know, there's no such thing as a weak Munster team. You know, I think Cardiff showed a lot in attack. Um, you know, as they have all season really, they scored some excellent tries. I thought Lee Lowe had a really good game, his best for a while. Yeah. But ultimately similar similar to Scarlet's in many ways. Um, probably obviously worse because they got tuned by the Scarlets twice, but they have a very soft underbelly, don't they? The the front mm. five's not good enough, you know, set piece isn't good enough. Um, and when teams come direct at them, you know, the, when you analyse Cardiff, you know, when, when you analyse the, the best teams, sometimes you have to work really hard to find a weakness. But with Cardiff, it's easy. It's easy to see where the strength is and where the weakness is. The strength is conducted over the ball, breakdown. And they're very good over turnover ball, especially in the counter-attack. They're a very potent attacking team. But the weakness, again, is very obvious. Front five and Munster shoved it up the jumper, and they, you know, they, they again, they, they sort of, they, they just couldn't handle that level of physicality. So, you know, it was a gutsy performance. It wasn't a bad performance, but I just don't think they've got the personnel, which is the worrying thing, to um, to really improve with this group of players, unfortunately. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, it coincides with a, uh, a signing this week of Lepeti Tamani, Tongan and, and uh, Australian international who comes in. Played a lot in the back row, um, but we're kind of told that he's expected to play in, in the second row for Cardiff. What do you make of that as a recruit? I think that the first thing you've got to ask when you sign any player is, is he better than what we've currently got? And the answer to that is a resounding yes. Um mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's, you know, he, he's an experienced player. He's a wallaby, you know. He's, he's an experienced wallaby, not just a one cup wonder or anything yeah. like that. Um, you know, he's a very physical player. He's he's not he's not a typical bruiser lock, is he? You know, he, well, he's, he's a back row work to begin no. with, um, more than second row. So he likes to play in the wide channels. Um, but ultimately, as I said, he's he's better than what they've currently got and. He comes from. He's had a lot of experience. The Wallabies. He's played for La Rochelle. He's played for Toulon. Um, played, you know, top fourteen is probably the most physical league in rugby union. I say union because NRL is the most physical in both codes. 
but he's just got yeah he's he's just going to bring a lot of experience really good line up forward as well um and i i just think yeah i mean is he is he at his best at his best years past him probably but you know as i said he's still better than anything cardiff have got so from that point of view i think it's it's a good signing and injury you know as long as he doesn't get injured then he'd be available throughout the season which is a big plus and as, as we're on this point, it really annoys me. Like when when I see like when I saw Cardiff announce the signing, and I think it's a good signing on the whole. You got you got a, an element of fans. They're not really fans. They, um, who you know a lot of people are like oh it's blocking development this and that. that. That's just total crap. It's it's nonsensical. You know ultimately, if you had say you had um, twenty three Welsh qualified players under twenty five. And you put them out against Leinster, they're just going to get slaughtered, aren't they? It's it, you know you're not developing players by put just throwing young Welsh players to the slaughter. They have to be supplemented by quality, you know, re- real quality, experienced players. Obviously, the Welsh internationals are away for a lot of the season, so it's very difficult mm-hmm. for them. They do their best, but it's difficult for them to act as mentors. But you ask Justin, I remember asking Tipperick like four years ago in a press conference about Marty Haller. The ex All Black played for the Ospreys, and he said, "You know, I wouldn't be the player I am without him." You know, Sam Warburton has been raved, has raved in the past about the likes of Xavier Rush and Mama Molatika. You know, ask Foxy, ask Jonathan Davis about Regan King. You know, the, these yeah. top foreign players, you know, they, they they are invaluable in terms of developing players. You know, this is what the, the critics don't understand that they can help develop players. They they can they they up the standard in training. You know, they they just they just improve everything. Of course, there's been a lot of rubbish signings as well because of the financial constraints. Yes, but this is a this is a an experienced Australian international. You know, Vaya Fafita is a multi-cap All Black joining the Scarlets. These players, you know, are you telling me that Jack Price and Morgan Jones won't won't learn off Vaya Fafita? You know, and and likewise with some of Cardiff's younger second rows. Uh, and back rowers with with uh, Lopez yeah. and Tim, uh, Timani. It's um, it really annoys me, and I just think you know Sam Lousy is another, another excellent player with the Scarlets. Um, you know, you, you know, I've already mentioned Reuben King, the influence he had on on Jonathan Davis. So I, I think signing the right quality caliber of non rush qualified player is um, absolutely integral to developing young Welsh player players and. If anything, having good non-Welsh qualified players is more important than having senior Welsh internationals because they're there throughout the season. And the main priority isn't another team; it's their primary employer, which is Scarlets, Cardiff Dragons, yeah. Ospreys. So um, I think getting good non-Welsh qualified players is should be a priority. And I think that the pro team should be allowed to sign more of them, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, like, I completely get it. You know, if the, if it was just a you know, if it was like. Um... Premier League football, you know, and it was uh, 11, uh, 11 foreign players in in the side, and it's you know it's based solely around who's, who's got the money to sign them. Then yeah, of course, you know, I think that would have a hugely detrimental effect on the on the Welsh national side. But you're right when when the quality recruits come in, it makes a massive impact. There's a couple I was going to add to that list. You've, you've mentioned a, a lot of, a lot of them there. Um, 
we've asked a number of ex-Ospreys in the past uh, who played in that kind of Galactico era and the one player they always come back to is Philo Tiatia yeah, who again was just you know and again it was his attitude towards training and the intensity and the standards that were expected uh, which you know which helped a, a lot of players develop there and Ben Blair for Cardiff as well you know that must have had an effect you know watching a player like him train you know with a young Lee Halfpenny in the squad you know I know Halfpenny was an obsessive trainer himself but you know, I'm sure that would have had a, a positive impact, and and you're right. You rec- you recruit quality signings. Um, yeah, I, you know, absolutely having a player like Tamani is that going to help the likes of the likes of Teddy Williams? I'm sure I'm sure it will. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I, I've never understood that argument that um, that it's blocking development. It's not like you know, it's not like you get to pick your first 23 every week of the season anyway, is no. it? You know, it's players will get a chance. I'd much rather they're a quality international players there um, making the sides competitive and, and, and I think that, that aids development yeah like a good friend of the of the podcast Kai Griffiths was uh, telling mm. me um, a couple of years back you know about Fia Tia Tia and just you know the Ospreys the Galacticos period as the press like to call it you know they had one of the best teams in Europe at the time you know they, they had basically probably about three quarters of the Welsh squad obviously you know they, they were away for most of the season and Tommy Bow was away as well but Fia Tia Tia, you were saying like Fia Tia Tia is just like, you know, he's such an influence on the younger players because the, in the way that you, or the Celtic League or Magnus League, whatever it's called back then, the way the season structured means that it's not your senior internationals that, as in your Welsh internationals that win new tournaments, so you just to win Welsh mm-hmm. teams tournaments, it's almost your foreign players, like your Tia Tia's, your Haulers, your, your Jerry Collins, Jason Spice. One of, more, yeah. one of the best foreign signings in Welsh rugby history. What how he was tremendous um, competitor and leader. And he was telling me like Tia Tia just set the standard every week, and he was just the youngsters just used to like you know just feed off him and improve. And he'd you know he 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 was just he just showed them what what level you had to be at to to sort of to be an international player and to be a, a top end player and. Unfortunately, we haven't got enough people going in Wales at the moment. So, yeah, it just gets on my nerves. It's just very, very ill-informed, isn't it, when uh, when people criticise um, the, the Welsh team signing and, you know, non-Welsh qualified players. They, they don't criticise uh, the English or the Irish uh, clubs or provinces when they do it. So, um, you know, educate yourself is my message. Yeah. No, I would uh, I would agree with you on that one. Um, as we come towards the end of the show, let's take. A, I'm obviously a lot less keen to talk about the Dragons this week than I was last time you were on, Steph. Um, I'll quickly give you my assessment of that. Um, I was going to say I was going to say last time I was on the show, you you couldn't you couldn't wait to talk about it. it, and uh, I know, now that's you just it. brushed under the carpet. So you know you know why, Steph? Because it it's like uh, it's. Like, Cliff off. <laughs> That's it. Hopefully they've arrived at work now and switched and got out of the car and switched the switched the uh, switched their phones off. Um, I tell you why I was so keen to talk about it last time because it's a once in a bloody blue moon occurrence that you can be kind of uh, optimistic. Um, you know, I thought looking back at their recent performances, they were much improved against Gloucester. They got a win um, uh, away to the Scarlets. They should have got more out of the game uh, at home to Scarlets. Uh, but didn't. Uh, but as for losing away at Zebra, it's just to get you've got to, you've got to grind that result out. I know they were missing Rollins and Wainwright and Moriarty and some influential players, but uh, and obviously depth is going to be an issue. But 
If you take those two kickable penalties um, just before half time, it was one about on 29 minutes, one on 35 minutes, something like that. Take those two, you win the game. Um, you know, you you start, you just keep the scoreboard ticking over. There has to be a realization, either with within the coaching or within the players, that it's a massive gamble to kick for the corner if you're the Dragons. I, I generally think it's it's a bigger gamble than um, than people give it credit for now. That you know, five years ago, every side was just to keep the scoreboard ticking over. I don't quite understand what the the rationale behind always going for the corner is. I know there was this kind of period where. It became, you know, virtually every side had a good driving line out from five yards out. So it became, but but defences have got wiser, and also I think that holding the ball up over the line now, which happens a lot more obvious, a lot more frequently, means that you know you then the the um, the defending side get an opportunity to clear it, whereas you know whereas before you'd have got an attacking scrum out of that. Um, so I, I don't know, I, but if you're if you're the Dragons, just play sensible rugby, take the points. They were two incredibly kickable kicks. Um, and that's you know, and that's six points that that just edges you, um, edges you kind of slowly out of sight. And it's always going to be a, a nervy game. Know that you'll get another opportunity at some point in the game. Um, I also thought it was a you know, not that it was the referee's fault um, that, that the Dragons lost this game, but how they can go to the TMA for a dangerous tackle. Um, you, know, you know, it was clearly a no arms tackle from the fullback when the Dragons were down to thirteen. Um, and go, oh no, yeah, it wasn't dangerous. It was on the chest, agreed, but it was clearly no arms, which is a penalty. Um, and, you know, just moments like that obviously don't help, but Dragon, no one's no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, I agree. They, they're just implored, isn't they? And time and time again, like against the Starless in many ways, you know, they, they, the home, uh, you know, the, the game of Rodney Trade, they put themselves in a position to mm. win, Nada Moore and Stray, it all the momentum, and they just shot themselves in the foot, gave the Starless an opening, and they took it. And, it was a similar yesterday, you know, those, those two yellow cards. And, uh, you know, I think it was Lewis Jones that um, slapped the ball forward once as well. When Zebra obviously scored, but could have been three yellow cards, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. It just, yeah, they, they, they're just very poor. And, um, yeah, they haven't got the playing budgets of the other teams, but they still should be doing a little bit better, as I think you you said the other week. And, you know, Dean Ryan has obviously recruited very heavily for next season. So I think, um, you know, there, there won't be many excuses left uh, you know, come next season, if I'm being honest, Chad. No, look, that game, you've you've got to win those games. If Dean Ryan loses that equivalent fixture next year, then he's toast, I think. You know, you you they've got to get out of the traps incredibly hard. Um, I don't see the point now, you know, there are massive questions for Dean Ryan to answer. Um, but I don't see the point in, in booting him out now when he's bought in, very, like we said the other week, very Dean Ryan-type players you know, grafters who are going to come in and, and do a job. And um, and I think it has improved. You know, I think to go back to your point um, about Tamani, you know, is he a better is he a better solution than, than what's currently in the squad for Cardiff? Yes. You know, is Lonsdale an upgrade for in the second row? Yes. Is Max Clark an upgrade on, you know, on the, on the current options in the centre, when, especially when you've got injuries? Yes. You know, is Hanran a better option than basically no one? Because Sam Davis is the only person who plays ten. Yes. So you know, the squad is there, but he's got to get a tune out of them straight away. You know, there can be no. You can't be sat there in in December with no wins. You've got they've they've got to pick off some wins um, at home early doors, and uh, the pre- the pressure is definitely on. They're going to have a hard hard pre season. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, they've. They've got to get some yeah, results. I totally agree with you. You know, they've upgraded in a lot of positions. 
you know, he said in his post-match interviews, he, he basically said a lot of players just, he's inferred that a lot of players have had their last chance and that they've let him down. Um, and that, you know, I think he said he needs to drip feed the younger players in um, from the audio I listened to anyway after the, the Zebra game. So um, he, he's he's had enough. I think of a lot of players and he's recruited players in his mould, you know, the, the way he wants the team to play. Mm. See your Tompkins and I'm excited about but Ultimately, as you said, you know, yeah. nobody. As a, a Dragons fan, I'm sure you're not expecting them to win anything. But I think you're you're probably. Am I right in saying you're expecting them to just get a few more wins, be a bit more competitive? Because um, if they don't improve next season, yeah. I think you know, yeah. they do have to look at an alternative head coaches or director of rugby's. Yeah, I, I, no, I think you're you're exactly right. If I was looking at those those games we've just spoken about now, you know, and this is at the start of the new season. You know, if you ran a Gloucester side close, you beat the Scarlets once. You know, you uh, you ran them close in another, and you beat Zebra away. You know, even if it was a, a grinded out victory, then you'd be looking at that saying, oh, "That's a decent set of a decent set of games. You're moving in the right direction." It's it's, it's games like that away. You've got to have the nous to get over the line, regardless. And you know, I think it's one thing to say, you know, to. Uh, to complain about resources and that's that that is definitely a part of it and not having the squad depth but in a game like that where you've had the opportunities and you simply haven't taken them yeah then I don't I don't think you can say and it, you know let's be honest it's Zebra they haven't won a, they haven't won a single game all season so it's, it's, it's not good enough and um yeah things things have got to change uh got to change really really quickly yeah, I, I totally agree as I said I think if results don't improve next season um and I mean, you know, if they, they, I think they need to, like, you know, set the sights a bit higher as well. You know, the, the, the culture needs to improve. I think, you know, you, you need to look at, like, you know, seven wins, maybe something like that. If they don't reach that, then I think they, they need to make a change, quite frankly. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think um, most people would agree with that, and I, and I certainly would. Um, but that brings us nicely to the end of the show, Steph. Been great to have you on again. Um and uh, yeah, no doubt we'll, uh, we'll we'll be in touch with you. Are you are you heading over to South Africa to uh, to cover the games? TBC at the moment, to be honest. TBC, TBC. perhaps, All right. probably. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll um uh, we'll we'll no doubt get you on for uh, get you on for your analysis around around those fixtures and um uh, and uh, towards the the tail end of the the URC season as well. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. Thanks to everyone for listening. And finally, as always, a big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some great quality coffee, you can do that by going to socoffeetrades.co.uk. Right, we'll be back to chat rugby with you very, very soon. Podcast Network.